happened. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Con to man's answers. Today, my guest is a Pacific boxer, football player, business major, planning on going to law school, Rob Wood. What's up, Rob? It's good, Colin. How you been? Been living. I'm glad that I'm back home now. Um, yeah. It, dude, the drive is brutal, but, you know, getting through it, getting back home is, is where I needed to be right now to start working. I got that interview tomorrow with um, that law firm, so that's going to go pretty decent. But, yeah, before we get into any of that, just introduce yourself, who you are, what you're interested in so that the listeners can understand yeah. it. You better. So, he's already said it. My name is Robert Wood uh, from Oakland, California. I play football here at Pacific, business major, concentrations in management and marketing with a philosophy minor. Uh, on the football team, I play uh, corner, safety, nickel, basically wherever they want me to play, need me to play on defense. Um, you know, some of my interests you kind of see behind me, like a lot of like movies and shows and stuff relating to the Marvel stuff and the Rick and Morty and favorite movie, John Wick. Uh, that's a little bit about me, like it's not the whole story, but what made you want to go to law school? Was it coming to um, coming to Pacific? Was it before? Have you always had that in mind, or what made you go to, want to go to law school? Oh, it was before. My dad's an attorney, so um, yeah, that's kind of been like always been a fallback. Yeah, does it feel like a fallback now, or does it feel like something you're really interested in? Well, I said fallback, she didn't probably said that, but like like something that I've kind of been like primed to want to do, like has his own firm. So like it's law office is a Robert Wood. We share the same name. So like it's like almost like written that like mm-hmm. um next. Are you a junior? Yeah, I'm a junior. Junior academically. No, no, not a junior academically. Are you a junior as in oh, like your surname? Yeah. Robert Emanuel Wood Jr. Really? I didn't even know that. How, did you growing up, were you called Rob or Jr.? They call, uh, so my family calls me RJ for Robert mm-hmm. Jr. Uh, most people outside call me Rob. Teachers call me Robert. Mm-hmm. Was uh, Everyone else calls you Large Rob. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but no, is, is your dad practiced uh, business law? Or what kind of lawyer is your dad in? Uh, he does uh, workers' compensation. Mm. Yeah. So, so the law that I'm practicing or I'm going to intern at this, um, this summer is my Chris's, my friend, Chris, his brother-in-law, Michael Cogshall, who's a medical malpractice lawyer. So I'm going to be doing that kind of stuff. It's really interesting though. Cause you're going to work with at your dad's firm, right? For the summer. It, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting um, to see like how it works and everything, because I've never really like, been a part of like any firms or anything i just said oh i, I kind of want to do this so it'll be interesting to actually see how it works out in the real world oh definitely definitely hit, hit each other up see our mm-hmm. experiences compare and stuff because it's your first time uh working there or did you work there before no, i've worked like i worked there before like um it's like really been like pretty unofficial like, like i'll put it on a chair like on a, a resume but like like this has been various summers where I just go in for a couple hours, file paperwork, sometimes answer the phone. Sometimes mm-hmm. I go with my dad to hearings and a deposition or not depositions, but hearings. So that's cool. What is that like? So that's like, so he does workers comp. I'm not going to lie. Like it's a little boring to me. Like it's not like criminal trial or anything like that. Um, so like, yeah, it's cool. Like 
Well, the times I've gone, I guess, have been dry, but, like, he's coming back home and, like, telling me some, like, stories where, like, he got pretty heated in there and, like, yeah. What, um, why philosophy? So, like, I mean, obviously me, I just sit there and think all the time, but, like, why, what what made you interested in doing the minor in philosophy? Because, like, you're, like, your business and you want to go to law school, so that has, like, the way of thinking everything, but whenever you, when you told me the first time that you were, like, studying philosophy, it kind of, like, struck me as not a little odd, but just off. Like, what made you kind of interested in philosophy? Um, well, just... In terms of studying in college, really because, like, with, like, being hurt sophomore year and with COVID and stuff, like, trying to extend my undergrad, like, because you have to be a student to play college football. So, like, extending my undergrad, it's something I'm interested in. Um, before college, like, I took philosophy in high school and really liked that, just, like, learning about thinking, like, kind of, like, the process of thinking and um, – something I would have considered, but like, I feel like business was more of like broad way, like way of going about things. Cause I uh, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Like lawyer was on the back of my mind, but like now I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do now. Yeah, dude. Philosophy is wild. I mean, obviously I have a philosophy podcast kind of, I, it's just what it's the, like the set it's around. Um, but it's wild. Cause like, it's, it's kind of like the way that, systems of government are formulated is through people's philosophies and it's also kind of the like as soon as people were conscious we they philosophized you know mm-hmm. like Immanuel Kant I'm pretty sure thought the words I think therefore I am which is basically the the grounding or the groundwork of uh, consciousness the reason we know that we're conscious is because you can think and therefore you are alive basically and, and conscious of you being alive um but yeah one of the coolest things that I have found with philosophy is that it because you can keep going down the rabbit hole with science, but you kind of hit a plateau of the technology of the day, right? Like we can do all this quantum mechanics. We still don't know why we're conscious or why we're on this rock on earth alive, you know, why life exists here, but it doesn't on Mars. But with philosophy, you can just keep going down rabbit holes and just keep thinking of new stuff. So that's kind of why I'm interested in it. And also on the back end of that, obviously on politics. So like the reasons why political systems become so, uh, totalitarian or so evil is like something that fascinates me. Um, and that's like kind of the philosophy behind people like Karl Marx and people like, uh, Vladimir Lenin. And then obviously like you think of like the Americas, you think of Edmund Burke, you think of Thomas Jefferson, all of their kind of ideas create the systems that we see today and, and kind of the atrocities that we see, you know? Yeah. So like, yeah, talking like getting me philosophy, like I talked to my advisor and he was like, what are you interested in after undergrad? And I told him I was like, I'm thinking about being a lawyer. And he was like, oh yeah, philosophy, even if you don't fulfill the minor, just take some classes in it. And like, that's how, um, that's what brought me here. Yeah. So you brought up something earlier that I wanted to touch on. We were both injured at the same time during sophomore year. Talk about your experience a little bit with that, uh, kind of your mindset getting back into it. Cause you suffered a pretty brutal injury. Oh man. Yeah. So like started sophomore year, you know, I was, uh, like first two games I was starting that corner and, uh, just like randomly in the second game, second half, like I go to defend the pass and fall down straight on my shoulder and, didn't know what to ha- like what to think about it. Uh, then started like after a few days, like started to realize, oh well, in college at least if you like miss a year, you get the year back. So like 
I didn't get too down. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just, like, start rehab, get back to it, and come back even better. Like, and, yeah, that's just, like, you know, you, you like, we went through the same experience. Like, the guys in the training room, like, super helpful uh, in terms of getting me back, so. Yeah, dude, injuries suck, though. Like, the one thing I always think about football, like, um, especially, like, we – I mean, we had some of these concerns going into these games, obviously, uh, is that, you know – it's such a violent sport, more violent than, I mean, hockey's up there and obviously MMA, but like we talked about it with uh, Katie Dolphins class, Professor Dolphins class, you know, the violence of football is something that like, it's kind of untouched because of, because of the head trauma, because of the freak injuries, like breaking collarbones, like unfortunately Mitch's. And then one of the even more brutal ones is like blowing out the knees, you know? Oh, yeah. And so one of the things that football, I feel like, because football is hard in and of itself, just going through the process is a grind, but injuries are another one. And so once that happens and you, especially when you get taken out, like you, maybe you were fighting for a starting spot, maybe you're fighting for playing time. And then all of a sudden it's like your world turns upside down and you're sitting there and you're like, well, now I got to start from square one already, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to know like how, what was like, did you have down days? How did you get out of those down days? You know, just talk about that. So like, yeah, it's definitely like college football player, like, part of my identity I definitely feel like is being a football player so being away from that like takes away like a little bit a little bit from my identity like I remember that first game I think that I was able to like be at because I think the week after there it was a travel game so like everybody was hurt like stayed home but then that Linfield game when like everybody's like getting suited up and stuff I'm like sheesh like because like I would be go. We would be going to practices. I'd be in position meetings, just like everyone else, doing my rehab. So that's technically like my workout that like everybody else would be doing. But like, like still spending like that much amount of time on football and like not being able to play. Plus the like preparation for the season stuff. Like definitely not a waste. I wouldn't say that. But like not being able to use like what I had been working on for so long. Yeah, that, that definitely struck me. But, uh, like, having, like, the community we're in where, like, people are really, like, motivated about football at our school, like, definitely, like, I didn't I didn't get too into, like, the negative thoughts. So. That's good, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I like to give credit where credit's due. And when Falk says, uh, um, you know, se- negative thoughts are seven times more strong than positive thoughts. He's actually, he's right about that. Trinity, my girlfriend, she always tells me that. Cause I, I have a tendency to, if I'm down on myself or something to be like my hardest critic and be really negative about it. And so whenever I say something negative to her, she's always like, say five things that's positive now to cancel out that one negative thing. And that's something that always has fascinated me. I mean, go back to philosophy is like how, um, you know, negativity and positivity can affect one's own personal mental health so like drastically. You know, I always talk about like like I don't know if you saw one of my last clips, like smile and make you like smile three times a day will make your life better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the days that you laugh, like the days I watch Rick and Morty or some cartoon, just like let when I'm allowed to, and I'm just like rolling on the floor laughing. It's a good day, you know. Um, and so like it's just crazy how like the if you force yourself, even if you force yourself to smile, be positive tell yourself that you're happy. It actually does have some effect in your mental health. Mm-hmm. I like another thing from coach Falk or he got it from somebody else. I forget who he got it from. He admitted where he got it from, but like, however you feel, do whatever you feel about like how you could do something. If whether you feel like you can do it or you can't do it, you're right. No matter what you think, like 
So your ability to do something is all about how you think of it. Yeah, that's that's a big. I don't know if it's David Goggins or one of those like big motivational guys. Um, yeah, if you if you say you can't do it, you're probably right. Um, because you're gonna. I I was talking about this with somebody. I can't remember. Um, a lot of these podcasts fade together, but he they're basically saying that like you know, tell yourself you can do it. Actually, I was talking about this today with my barber scales. So he's obviously the Raiders barber. We've talked mm-hmm. um, about him before, but he um, was telling me, he was like, yeah, whenever you want something, like you just got to tell the universe you want it. And it has a way of like giving it to you. And it made me think of something John Jones did. So John Jones used to, or he wrote down um, champion 2011 when he was signing his autograph before. And this was in 2010, I think. And then March, or November, I can't remember, 2011, he be actually became a champion. And he was like, yeah, he, one of the quotes he said was, you know, if you, they're like, why do you do this? And they're like, if you tell the universe what you want, it has a way of getting out of its way for you. Yeah, definitely. Like, and it's like, especially when like, you feel like you're like a long shot from like where you want to be, you definitely want to manifest it. I think what trips people up is like how other people are going to think about uh, whatever your hopes and dreams are. Like, being a D3 football player, like, I still, like, want to play football as long as I can. But, like, you know, like, I feel like it's weird if I start proclaiming, like, I will be an NFL player one day rather than, like, just, like, you know, keeping to myself, just, like, going at the grind every single day. But, yeah. I don't know, though. I will say this. Those people who do say things like that and proclaim outrageous things have a way of making those outrageous things happen. You know, and, and to an extent, like when, when people say that, confidence has a big key in that. If you're very confident in yourself, like you're saying, if you say you can't do something, you probably can't. You say you can, you probably can. It's all about believing in yourself. You know, one of the big things that I've had to um, make myself realize these last few months even is that we're all people you know everybody you're competing with everybody you're not even really competing with but everyone you think you're competing with even is also a human you know and it's mm-hmm. also going through the same shit you are they got their bad days they got their good days they got their family they got their family hurt you know and so like even let's give him my example of podcasting even joe rogan's a person you know and mm-hmm. he fails and he grows even though he's ginormous and he does the UFC and he all, he's a stand-up comic, you know, he, he generates his own wealth and he does his own things, but everybody has their levels of success and their levels of failure. So you got to really focus on yourself rather than focus on the outside. I feel like. Yeah, it's definitely where like, like I don't have a clear definition of success, but like success is like based on yourself. Like it should be based on like, are you better than you were yesterday? And if that's true. Then you're succeeding. I'd say that. No. Yeah. And that's, I mean, like if you really think about the most successful people or the most people, cause you know, you could look at the most successful people as like Steve jobs and them, but you could also look at the most successful people as the people who succeeded in their heads, David Goggins, uh, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. Um, and you can think about, uh, like how, you know, if you succeed in your own head, you're always succeeding. You're always getting better. Those guys have a way about making it like, like defeating every day, every second, defeating yourself rather than defeating someone else, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's like, and like some guys like have like a bunch of like external motivators, like the environment they're in, like growing up and stuff. That's what motivate. that's what like gets people going too. Yeah, and I wanted to talk to you about this. In America, especially because we're so um, – success driven and you can succeed in very many um 
realms of life, I guess you could say. It seems to me that a lot of the um, external like angst is especially coming from people from the minority um, categories because they grow up maybe in uh, a low income area. So like, I don't know if Dame came from a low income area or yeah, Rod definitely did. Um, but you know, you, you always hear from a lot of uh, NFL um even rappers uh you know every every realm of life they always like say like you know i got out the slums i was just singing that with rod wave you know um Mm -hmm. and so i think you know it's kind of tied to that systematic um way of american racism but it's also like it gives kids who are in those low income areas a way like they can see themselves getting out you know it's crazy like you think about that like obviously like you grow up with nothing you're going to strive to have something but look at a guy like Steph Curry the son of an NBA player lighting the league on fire for a week straight like what are his motivators like he simply just loves like loves the game and wants to be the best you know but a guy like Steph Curry too because he is family oriented and I guess you could say I guess the same for Tom people like Tom Brady and stuff those guys who are at the top top who haven't made it from nothing per se uh they still give hope to the younger generation and stuff you know when you mm-hmm. shoot a three now like obviously we used to say Kobe our generation did but now people say Curry you know yeah. and so you know he's still like and he plays in Oakland. He, you know, he plays in the Bay. So he's still giving those impoverished kids a hope and everything like that. But like you said, yeah, he's a son of an NBA player. You know, his motivation maybe comes from, you know, being that hope for someone else or being the greatest, you know, um, and also having fun, bro. Like we, we do forget, like, cause people do strive for greatness so much. We do forget that like, dudes, the reason we play sports and the reason we're so attracted to sports is because it's all about having fun. Yeah. Definitely. Like everybody has their own reasons. Like, like life happens with like J. Cole said, like no such things in life that's better than yours. Like everybody has their things that's like fires them up, like gets them going and everybody has their own reasons to play. So I want to talk to you about this. Are you a big LeBron guy, Michael Jordan guy, Kobe guy? They're all pretty even in my head. Um, like, when I was younger, when I was really young, like, I was, like, the biggest LeBron fan. And then, like, like I was still – Warriors have always been my team. But, like, LeBron fan, like, once the Warriors don't make the playoffs, I'm watching LeBron every single game. Then Warriors, like, become good and they're playing LeBron. So, like, you know, I'm not a hater, but, like, I'm not just, like – glorifying the way like you know the LeBron fans go so like I don't know if you're talking about the GOAT discussion easy answer I'm just go with Michael Jordan to me so he just seems like so untouched when it comes to things the way people like talk about him even though I didn't quite experience him the same way as older, older generations like I'm just go with him yeah Michael Jordan my dad me and my dad always just argue because I was sorry my this chair is like a leather. So it's like stuck to my leg. Um, no, Michael Jordan, my dad, me and my dad always used to argue because I was a big LeBron fan and, um, still am. I still love LeBron. I think he's a great guy. You know, I think he's, you know, he's definitely the best on the planet. He's definitely the best of our generation. Besides we saw Kobe a little bit, but I even think he, you'd put you can put him above Kobe, but my dad always argues like Michael Jordan's the best basketball player of all time. You know, there's no argument about it. And I'm just like, it really is. There's a bias to the generation, you know, we're always going to think we're better than others. Like, 
especially like with the new, like we got this wave of technology, you know, as Gen Z's. And so we immediately think that once we can, we are the top, you know, we're like, fuck these baby boomers, you know, mm-hmm. like Gen Z's we're going to like, cause we understand technology better. But it's like there's a bias to the generations when we're adults and it's going to be the alphas and I guess maybe the betas after that. Um, Hunter Bueno was talking about that. Our grandchildren will be like, oh, our generation's got, you know, they're going to be like the same. And there's a bias of the generation, you know, and our kids are going to think somebody like Zion or someone's the best of all time. You know, it's just, it, there really is a bias of the generations. So, yeah, it's pretty incomparable. That's why, like, go to sessions hard. They're all like, generational talents like just give them their flowers especially like we saw with kobe passing give people their flowers while they're still with us you can't like don't like be so into one person where you just like tear down another person so what motivates you what motivates rob wood like what is your biggest motivation in life to do the things that you do and like i wouldn't say like i'm from like trying to get out from the bottom or anything like that so like my motivation is like pretty much just like love for the game. Like in terms of sports, like just love of the game. Uh, wanting to be like happy and like in, be in position and enjoy my life when I'm older and like provide for our kids same way like my parents were able to do for me. Um, yeah, that like that's pretty much it. It's no like no no one's saying like Rob, I need you to make it to the NFL or Rob, I need you to be a lawyer for us. Like. It's just like, it's pretty self-driven just based on the things that I want to attain. Are there any big goals and dreams that you have that aren't related to sports, you know, in in the future? Like, do you want to open your own private firm? Like, do you have any like certain aspirations that you like really are set on that you want to do in the future? Shoot. Well, like I said, I want to be a lawyer, but like, I want to be more like, not necessarily celebrity, but, like, I want to deal with athletes. And I, like, want to branch out and become a sports agent. So, like, I love sports so much. Like, I feel like I kind of need that to be, like, part of my career at least a little bit. Um, yeah, I love to have my own sports agency. That has to do with sports. But, like, I guess without me, pl- like, actually playing, like, yeah, that's something I want to accomplish in my life. Yeah, man. It's always, it's always cool to like talk to different people and like really talk to them in depthly because like you can really hear about like certain people always are so different. We were talking about this today. Um, me and scales, we were talking about how like, you know, it's, it's cool when people make it in a totally different realm of life when like nobody else was really trying to do that or like mm-hmm. they don't make it just the, the generic way, you know? So like doing things like that, like open your own sports agency or like, um, you know, scales cutting, cutting hair, I guess, and, and making it that way, making being becoming a celebrity barber. It, it's cool to see like people making it in, in their own unique way, because so like, that's another thing that fascinates me is the, um, the fact that people are just so interested in different things. Like, why am I born a certain way? Like, yeah, there's some genetics touch, but why am I so different than all my family members? You know, why do I love talking? You know, why do I like playing? Why do I like kicking footballs? You know, why do I like playing basketball? Like, why am I so specific to me? And why are you so specific to you? You know, so that's like one in a trillion, you know, for us to exist. So it's always, it's always fascinating me to see, people grind in their own realms of life. And now to an extent, some people make it basketball and that's like a generic thing, but they do it in their own. They also have their, like Dame still raps, you know? Yeah. LeBron opened a school, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like that, like 
there's definitely things I would never know about you if like I didn't start listening to these podcasts and like you know you're a talkative person so I feel like I know a lot about you but like the way it's like even improved just by listening to these and like having conversations with you it's like expanded a lot it uh I try to explain to people who have never either done one with me or just like done one before it's, it's an art form. It's a weird kind of art form, mm-hmm. long-term speaking and long-term conversations, especially with one other person. Um, it's an art form and you can, you can, I'm, I'm sure you can kind of feel it, you know? Um, yeah. And it's like the way that like, you just get better at it over time. Like I was talkative, but like, if you, like listen to the early ones, and then you listen to the medium ones and then you listen to later ones. You can see how it flows more smoothly and everything. And the same thing goes like in the future, it's going to be way more, way better. And Joe Rogan talked about it before I talk, um, started my podcast, but it really does. Like, it's really something like you get into this mode and you start to flow and it's actually, it feels more engaging. It feels more like concrete and it feels more personal than just long-term. Like if we're just sitting there drinking and shooting the shit, you know? Oh yeah, Definitely. Like, well, I would say, like, the way you, like, carry conversations, like, d- definitely improved as, like, the months. Of, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely improved uh, over the months. And, like, I remember, like, listening to one with Mitch. That's the one that really, like, sticks with me. I'm, like, I'm listening through my headphones while, like, I'm walking my dogs. And, like, I feel like I'm having a conversation with you. Like, like you asked Mitch a question. Now I, like, think about my answer to that question. And, like, that, that was really cool. But... Also, like, I don't know, the way I've grown up, like, my dad, me and Laura, like, he could talk for a long time, too. And, like, I've just grown up having, like, these long conversations with him. And, like, you know, you know Daniel the Barber, right? I, like, have conversations with him forever. Like, I'll be at the shop, like, what, like, almost an hour after my haircut, just, like, trying to, you know, figure him out, like, uh. trying to have a conversation with him. Yeah, and there's, like there's like nowhere that the conversation can stop and you're not going to like, I never start a podcast ever knowing where it's going to end, but it, it's always going to end. There's always going to be these levels to it. And so that's, that's the, that's what keeps it fun mm-hmm. for me is that never ever, like even if you have a conversation twice with the same person, it's never the same conversation and you never know where it's going to start or end really. That's why I don't write down notes. So I don't ask the specific questions because I don't think it's like as engaging. It's honestly not as fun. You know, people always tell me like, Oh, you should have like a script. You should have a theme to your podcast. It's like, no dude, I like talking. I like long-term engaging. I think the people who listen to it do too. So that's the thing that keeps me going is just like, you never know where it can end. But here's a question I have for you. You said you're really into Marvel and everything like that. Has that you? Did you like watch the like um, read the comics when you were younger and everything? Like, where did that fascination with Marvel come? A little from? bit. Like, used to just always have like uh, superhero shirts and stuff like that. Like, I wouldn't say like like su- yeah yeah okay yeah I am super into it. Like I don't know. Um, it's just being ca- kind of like like a happy place for me like when I'm watching a like Marvel movie or like I did used to read comics uh I haven't like I'm not super like tapped in on everything the whole universe but like I have read like have a good base of knowledge off it but yeah it's just been something that's like surrounded me like when I was a little kid just being superheroes every Halloween and stuff like that did you ever like DC or was it like strictly Marvel oh no like so DC, like I will say DC heroes are better than Marvel heroes, but the way Marvel portrays the Marvel stories is way better. So like I I, I, I love both. 
Who is your favorite superhero in them? There's a lot. There's a lot. Um, DC. I really like. I like. I like. It'd be cliche. Like I do like Superman, but outside of, like more mainstream, I would say like the Flash is probably my favorite DC, and Marvel probably say Black Panther just because like the recency bias towards it and uh, the director of the movie Ryan Coogler, he went to my high school, St. Mary's in Berkeley. Really. Really? And same elementary school, same wheels. That's yeah. crazy. Um, here's the thing. I feel like Superman could beat up everybody, though. Like, you know, he's just so powerful, and it's just, it just feels like Superman's kind of like a god. Like, I mean, you, like, Thor's kind of a god and everything like that, but, like, it seems to me that Superman is the most powerful superhero of all Oh, time. yeah. That's where, like, comes in, like, how you portray a story. Like, if you just have him win every single fight, that's kind of boring. So, like, you know, they have to nerf him a little bit. That's when they introduce uh, Kryptonite. Like, something has to be able to stop him. And, yeah. What do you think makes a good superhero story? Like Marvel did it right. You know, Marvel made superhero movies like almost as big as like Star Wars was, you know? So what do you think makes the Marvel's movie series so popular? Definitely the origin stories. Like, and like, I definitely feel like when people watched Iron Man in 2008, they weren't just thinking it's going to be like part of this 23 movie universe. Like, People were just genuinely interested in it, and um, I think I think I remember reading somewhere where like they were really just trying to um, start a line of toys, uh, get kids interested in, make movies about them, and then that's how they expanded upon the universe, just based off of like how how many people are interested into it. Yeah. Um... Marvel is wild because like Iron Man was really popular, but then that first Avengers came out and it blew like, and then like every single time a new Marvel movie came out, it was packed. It was like, and they also fed the, fed the needle, thread the needle very, very well. Like they made each movie matter upon the next movie. And I think that's very important. Like they even made the individual superhero movies matter to like the whole entire Mm -hmm. universe. That's why it really mattered. I feel like. Yeah, even though, like, definitely, like, I wouldn't say, like, every single Marvel movie is great, but, like, everybody watched them because, like, you know, it's going to play into another movie that, like, you're going to want to know what happened in that. No, for real. So, back to, let's go back to football and, and sports and everything. You've been playing football your whole life? Just about. Like, when I was really young, I used to play flag and then started Pop Warner when I was about eight or nine. Um Played all all the way through eighth grade, or so that started like third or fourth grade. Then played all the way through eighth grade. Out to high school, played for my high school team. And leaving high school, like I just knew I wanted to play in college. Um, Pacific gave me that opportunity. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, how did you get to Pacific? What's that story? Uh, so probably told it a couple times, but so I was uh started like going to these camps, USA football camps. And started this regional development camp, and our teammate Chase was there. Our teammate Isaiah was there, um, and like after each camp, you get invited to like another one that's like uh, more more selective. I get, I guess. 
So then there's the development games. Um, I remember Chase was also there, and that was at UC Davis. And then we get to the national team or the national game in uh, Dallas, Texas. And Chase was my roommate, and it's like, like I talked to him throughout the process, but like we weren't like super close. But like him being my roommate there, like oh, I really got to know him, and like. Um, Coach G was the defensive coordinator for that. So I guess he was running some of the camps up in the Northwest. And so I had never experienced it. I didn't know about Pacific until I got to Dallas and about to play in that game. And then I found out Chase had already committed here. So it definitely made me interested. And yeah, uh, the way he talks about football definitely like separated itself from like other schools that I was – deciding between yeah um somebody else was telling me that yo yeah you guys were talking about that at the list how you guys played for coach g um yeah that's wild um it's even more wild because you guys are defensive players you know mm-hmm. um how much has made how much has having a coach like g made you a better football player He's made it so, like, I could really trust him about a lot of things. Like, I remember, like, going at that camp, like, he's, like, coaching me up on my technique and, like, it's kind of annoying. Like, you know, when, like, well, you're a kicker, but, like, I'm pretty sure you know, like, somebody runs, like, a short inside route while you're playing off coverage. Like, it's, like, pretty – it's hard to defend. But, like, he's, like, really coaching me on my eyes, knowing when, like – when to make my break on a guy and like, like I just saw a drastic improvement in that one, like practice session. And then like just had a whole week of like sessions like that, where like, I felt like I was getting better as a football player just by like having him talk to me. And then like, even after then I was like, okay, like I might think about Pacific, but like, I'm not like just moved. I have to go there. Then I come on a visit, have a great time. Uh, who, who's my host? Um, Kenyon, yeah, Kenyon was my host. So, you know, we had a good time that uh, that weekend. Coach G is someone that I would love to have on the podcast just because of our dynamic and, like, everything that's happened. And he's also just a fascinating guy. So, for those of you who don't know, Coach G is a phenomenal defensive coordinator for Pacific, um, very smart guy. But we've had our quarrels. We've had our differences in the past, me and Coach G. Um Freshman year, you know, young Colin, freshman year, Colin, uh, kicker, um, our head coach at the time, coach Buck told me and this other kicker, Charles, go run routes for the defense. Right. He told us go run routes. And I was like, all right, I go up to coach P, uh, coach P's like, Hey, this route. So I get up and I run the route that he told me to run and coach G loses it because I was supposed to walk. They were in a walk period. I didn't know this because our coach told us to do a, to go run routes. And so just in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, I'll do this. Um, so I start getting yelled at and I start leaving. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I got to know. And he keeps on yelling. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't know. And you can hear how that's a little condescending attitude going back. So he's like, get him over here. Don't ever talk to me like that again. He just starts yelling at me and I'm like, I'm sorry. I really didn't mean it. And so after that, we, after that incident for a year and a half, we were kind of butted heads, you know, there's multiple incidents, but you know, up to like this point, like, you know, going into junior year, we were like really cool now. And like, you know, he's, you know, 
I mean, obviously he's a new father and everything like that, but we're, we're like cool now. And, and, you know, he's a very interesting guy, but just like having that dynamic and just like knowing who he is, he's a very intense person. I feel like just having him on just like learn about him, why, why he is the way he is, why football is so important to him, how, why he's such a good defensive coordinator. I feel like would be a phenomenal conversation. Like, I don't, I don't know if you've experienced it the way I have, like, some of the speeches before games, like, they'll really have me ready to run through a brick wall just because he told me so. Like, man, he yeah, he really gets me fired up. And, like, it's like a mix of, like, he's not always that intense. Sometimes, like, he'll, like, so, like in a calm voice, like, tell him why we're doing this because of this, what I need to do, and, like, super calm. Yeah. But, like, he knows how to change change the pace really well. Well, yeah, I even hear you guys sometimes when, I mean, this last game, I was getting ri- getting warm every time the offense got the ball. But usually, you know, I, I, I'd be able to hear you guys over in your little corner. And he just like what he's saying to you guys just sounds very like fluent. Um, I like Coach Falk a lot. I think he is, I think he's driving our football program in the right way. And I think our, the talent we have this next year is going to be interesting because I think this is, if there's going to be a team at Pacific in the next years to come, I think this might be the one to make a little run for it. Yeah, I think so too. I'm, that's what like keeps me so fired up. That's what it's like been keeping me like motivated through this pandemic. Cause like, it's been really easy to be like, Oh, we're only playing two games in the spring. Like, like I, do I really need to, like, be doing footwork right now? But, like, they, like wanting to compete with – because we have a good group of guys. So, like, it's not just like, oh, Rob, you started before, you're starting again. No, it's like it's real competitive. I know I need to be sharp because everybody else is coming and trying to be sh- as sharp as they can. No, yeah, I think, like, in each position – I mean, there's some positions that are lacking a little bit. and But, like, obviously a lot of the guys who are older – didn't play this year but i feel like a lot of the positions we have right now have a lot of competition or at least a good enough um you know like even with us like we were talking to this me caden and zag were talking about this you know if we had a kicking coach mm-hmm. the potential for our group of guys in the specialist room is limitless like just like our strength and our composure caden is phenomenal at all three I'm very strong and Zach is very good at kicking uh, at kickoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it becomes a little difficult when we, when we don't have a kicking coach because it's like, we couldn't be as fine tuned as the George Fox guys. Even George Fox guys have a, have a kicking coach. So, you know, we always talk about that. Like if we had a kicking coach, like the, the potential is limitless, you know, but I think in every position on our team, there is at least one or two guys battling for, for playing time. If not, a starting spot. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And like, I, I feel like everybody, like everybody have like a coordinator. Like we have, like they'd be like super motivated to play. For sure. So what is one of the hardest things, lessons in life that you had to learn the hard way? Just in general, like, you know, you like, learn all these things when you're younger about like what's right and wrong, how things should be. Then you get older and realize like it's pretty, it starts to become like more and more ambiguous. Like life has a bunch of gray areas. Those are like the most frustrating. Like you think like, Oh, I did X, Y, and Z or A, B, and C. And like, I should get this, this outcome, but that's not always 
that's not always the case. Like you don't always see like the benefit or the outc- the outcome that you want. Always yeah. It, it does suck to learn that. Like, even if you work harder than everybody, you still might lose. Yeah. You know, can't think like that, though, but. no, you can't No, And, but I'm saying like, even if you don't, don't think like that, you could. Yeah. Um, and I think losing is necessary or failing is necessary. Um, you know, Falk made a distinction that I want to talk to him about because he says failing is not failure. And I disagree a little bit. I think failing and failure are one in the end. I get what he means. Like giving up is failure. But I think sometimes you do need to give up. And sometimes like there, there becomes a point where the thing that is causing you to fail so much, you have to give up. And I wouldn't call that failure. You know, I would call that because maybe like say you're working in a job, right? And you've been fa- like, you're not doing good. It's because you hate it but you know what you want to do. Like maybe you want to do something creative. Maybe you're a really good painter, but you just can't give up this nine to five. You know, I wouldn't call it failing for you to quit your job and start painting more. You know, I would call that, I wouldn't call that quit a failure. I would call that you just finally deciding to win. Yeah. You're just redirecting yourself. Yeah. And so I want to know if he means that or if he means, you know, in football in general, because football is not for everyone, which is the sad part. Um, you know, and there's times, there's a lot of times where I think it's not for me, you know, um, I'm thinking, you know, I got all this stuff, you know, I got all this work, but then I, then I play or I, or, you know, and I'm just like, God damn it. I love it. You know? And, or my mom, I'll be like, mom, like I just, I'd have so much more time. You know, I would just like, I could podcast every day and she's like, yeah, but you have all this time to be an adult. You get the rest of your life to be an adult. You got one more season to play football. Definitely. I was like, mom, come on. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like you, you never know, like, not like you just never know, like when, like everything's been written. So like, you just gotta like, I just live every moment. Like, like it's your last, I guess. One of the one of the best quotes I've ever heard was um a guy has a um what is the thing called when it's like the sand and it goes down, falls. Uh time uh, hourglass. Hourglass. Yeah, I was thinking time too for some reason. Uh but he has an hourglass and he flips it over. And he's basically he's like, Why do we focus on the past? you know? the sand always runs. What happens in the past is the past, you know, like the sand has never stops running. All that matters is the sand that's falling in the moment. And, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, focus on the things we've done in the past, things we want to do in the future. And really none of us ever worry about what we're doing in the moment. Um, you know, I thought about like how long life really is. We all say how short life really is. We really never under like realize how long life really is. You know, how many moments we've wasted, you oh. know, I think about that all. I was thinking about like how I've had 21 years on this earth and I thought about how long one class feels when I don't want to be there, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm at, like, I've lived so many seconds and so many hours already at 21 years old. Um, and it becomes this thing where it's like, I've wasted probably more well i was a kid so i've wasted enough time to where if i if i saw the script at the end if i whenever i cackle out of here you know whenever i'm done with this if if god god universe showed me a, a script of how much time that i've wasted how much time i did stuff that i wanted to do spent time with my family i don't think i'd be happy with the numbers that i saw you know oh, definitely you just have to you just have to live man like you think about like 
the saying like everybody has the same 24 hours and like you look at guys who are our age like that are like pretty successful like Tyler Hero, Zion Williams and those guys are you know class of 2018 out of high school like playing on the highest level and it's like we've had the same amount of time to like build out our craft yet they're way ahead of where I want to be and it's like you can't really compare yourself to everybody but like you just think like don't, don't think you didn't have enough time. Don't think you didn't have enough time. But like yeah. you got to think about like okay, going forward, I like got to like lock in. I I don't like the basketball, the NBA player analysis because those guys are humongous okay, people. You know, I mean now now granted, there's like people like Cole Anthony who's six two. You know, that's right around our height. Um, and there's but he's also a great Anthony son, but um. I digress. But there's all there's there are people who are age that are grinding, you know, mm-hmm. um, that are small and everything like that. But you know, I think a lot of that is God gifted, especially with sports. Um, you know, not everyone needs to succeed at 21. Definitely, you know? yeah, that's that's what I mean. You can't just like always yeah. compare yourself. Everybody's you know running their own race or running their own marathon, as like some people have put it. Yeah. And one of the tra- one of the most tragic things that happens with a lot of people in especially in the United States is opioids. You know, a lot of people who aren't successful but could be, you know, get um trapped in with drugs, you know, oh, yeah. or or just, I mean, I know a lot of people who, you know, I hate it that are from here that have got trapped in like gang violence and things like that. Yeah. Some of them who've even lost their lives, you know, so you know the tragedy of being a human is that there's a lot of paths you can take. And a lot of the time you don't take the right one, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. There's a a ton of like wasted potential out there. I know there's guys that, you know, I used to play with and like, man, this guy can really play or like, you know, or like a guy, like you wouldn't think he's smart, but you have a conversation with him and like, shoot, like he could start like a, fortune 500 company mm-hmm. and like not everybody realizes their potential and that's what i feel like brings them to those paths just not being able to see the bigger picture yeah um potential is a weird one because it's like you can't really see it but it exists in like a lot of people you know like you can always see people's potential but you can't really like it's not really a tangible object but you know back to what you were saying you know <laughs> about um what were you saying man i can't remember i had a what were you saying you were talking about um oh yeah the potential of people and everything like that um i, I was a little intoxicated a couple nights ago in when i was still in oregon and uh I was sitting there and I was just recording my thoughts because I never do that. Like mm-hmm. whenever I'm just like being me and I'm just having my thoughts, I never record them. And I was like, you know, the smartest person or the best object has never been invented. Or the smartest person has never been found because like they never had the opportunity. Like think about the Im- immense, and this is not my own thought. Somebody was telling me on a podcast and I also listened to it on things, but imagine how much potential there is in Africa and all these underdeveloped countries or even developed countries who just haven't found like even creativity, you know, who just haven't had the exposure yet. You know, the Mm -hmm. smartest person has never been, never, never came out and said it because they were never found. Like Albert Einstein was not the smartest person who ever existed. He just was found in his, in his research works, you know, the smartest person and the most creative person and the, 
and the best objects were never invented because they never had the opportunity to be invented. It's a fascinating yeah. thought to think of. Yeah, that's why I like like that's why I like education's like so important. Everybody should have like equal access to it. You gotta like really take care of like the up and coming generations so you don't know like whose potential you're wasting if you don't like treat everybody right and stuff like that. The thing that makes me want to get my act together more than anything really is that like the scariest thing that I thought of the other day is like, I could give birth to, I couldn't give birth to anyone, but I could, I could, what I mean by like is I could cause the life of, I could, my girlfriend could get pregnant and and give birth. (laughs) Rob was like, pause. (laughs) I could create a child who's like, creates the next, you know, iPhone or the next, um, or plays in the NBA or, or plays NFL, you know, I could create that, you know, Mm-hmm. And oh, that is makes you think like terrifying. it's terrifying. terrifying. And, it, I, and it, I, I don't know anything about being a father, but like I know I'm not prepared to be one right now. Mm-hmm. I can tell I can tell you that right now. It's terrifying to think that like one day you're gonna you're gonna have all like we talk about potential. Mm-hmm. Most potential in the world is a baby. That's why we love them so much. That's why we everyone smiles at them is because they're they're innocence. They're their their perfect pureness and perfect potential because yeah. once you start becoming people eat kids to an extent but even they have their own little quirks and you're just like mm-hmm. you're, <laughs> you're like you're a badass kid there's not really a bad <laughs> baby um but like like adults are like have been molded into hitler or jesus you know yeah. those are adults but babies like baby jesus the bible they came and gave him stuff because they knew what he could be you know that's so great but like that's the thing though like you say like as we get older we get like a little bit more rotten like some people hey, some people might not find their spark until they're 50 60 years old uh they're in like leave a big mark on the planet Talk about soul right now aren't you this yeah that's a, that's a great, great movie great movie so when you were speaking about this i mean i told you i wanted to talk to you about this I don't want to sound like <laughs> I don't want to sound um, like a woke white person. That's uh, what I don't want to sound like. Yeah. But uh, I just want to know, like, what your, you know, not your experience as a black man in America is. Like, it sounds bad, but like, what goes through your head when something like George Floyd or Dante? What was Dante's last name? Right. Right. Um, when things like that happen, especially George Floyd, let's let's really talk about that. You know, because in my mind life is very different. Uh-huh. You know, I have Dion, obviously we talk a lot about everything, but we don't really talk about this. So I just want to know like what goes through your head when something like that happens. And what do you think us this after you give your first answer? So shoot, like, that's why I go back to like, when I said like, like you grow up thinking like everything's black and white, you do things, you don't break the law and like everything should be good for you. And ter- like when you're dealing with law enforcement, but unfortunately for black people, that's not always the case. So you see people like that. It's like, yeah, it's all like cliche, but yeah, that could have been me. Dante, right. He's younger than like, he's 20 years old, graduated high school, 2018, same age as me, younger than me actually, but he had a kid and stuff. And it's like, she's and like, and it's like, even if they were like any nonviolent crime, like even if he what like George Floyd, maybe, what if he did steal from the store, like, like, 
but they said he was using counterfeit money or something like that. Yeah. That's not enough to take someone's life. Life is so precious. And we're talking about like the potential, like, you know, like these guys are like raising children and you just took them away from their children and their families. Like everyone had like just about everyone has somebody that cares for them and loves for them. And like, I think in a lot of ways, like being black in America, like people don't quite see that. They just see you at like surface level. They don't see like mm-hmm. all the people you're connected with. They for sure can't see the future and who you can be. And yeah. You know, one of the shittiest things that I've had to realize in my life. So I wouldn't call myself ever like racist ever, Yeah. you know, but like blind, I guess is the right way. And like, I feel like a lot of people are sheep still in these days. And I feel like both sides are corrupt and everything like that. But, you know, I had one thing I really had to realize was that like it, the experience for black America, I mean, to an extent, I realized this when Dion moved in with me, but you know, the experience for black Americans, especially black young men in this life is very different than my life experience, you know? Um, Especially when you were talking about, so just taking all these classes, obviously going to a very liberal school, especially politics, but especially when we were, um, at my house the other day, um, not too long ago, and Kenya was just joking, but like kind of not like you got to answer the door, and it was actually cops, you know. Right. And they're like, they're like domestic violence, like no chicks are here, bro. We'll get, um, but but the, just like your guys, the way you guys reacted to that, you know. Yeah, I'm like, Hold yeah, on. I'm not answering the door. Like one, I don't live here. Two, like if I don't have to deal with the police, like. I'm not going out of my way to talk to the police. I'm just like, that's just how like life's been. But it's like eye opening to think that like, especially if Matt was there too, like we don't have a problem with that talking to police, you know, like, yeah. or, and it's, and, but it's, it's all, not just that, you know, um, you know, we all think about Abraham Lincoln as this godfather, right? This guy who freed the slaves and everything. And but he, like, we were just reading his debate with Stephen Douglas, and Stephen Douglas was like, "You know, black people are inferior." You know, he was he was the the classic Democrat Democrat of the 1800s. You know, he was saying that like they 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 don't deserve rights. And Abraham Lincoln was like, "No, everyone deserves freedom, and everyone deserves um um." political rights you know and then they, but and he and you're like oh this sounds great and then he goes on he's like now but i've never been in favor of them like marrying white people or or like living next to us like obviously they're inferior they're just people but they still they deserve the rights you know and you're just like that was progressive <laughs> yeah that's, what, that's that, that was the standard at the time you he, he was radical for saying that he was very <laughs> radical for that time um and it's technology while a lot of it has become overly exalted um it's changing radically because of how bad it was so for so long and it still is bad you know like there is a system around white supremacy in america that or white privilege i guess we could say or um that you can and so i don't believe that every white person has just a benefit over every other person but i do believe that the majority of white people who are privileged are privileged from times when they were oppressing other people. You know what I mean? This is how I'd say it. Like, okay. White privilege doesn't mean your life can't be hard. White privilege means your life isn't hard because you're white. Like I think that's a good quote, Rob. Yeah. 
Like, okay, I'm, I didn't. Hey, that's a clip right there, motherfucker. That's a clip right there. Yeah, say it again. White it. privilege isn't, doesn't mean your life can't be hard because you're white. It means that your life isn't hard because you're white. Right. Yeah. And so for people who are like, that doesn't make sense. Cause you're just listening. What he means is life. Listen means your life isn't hard. Your life can still be hard when you're white, but your life isn't more hard because you're white. Yeah. That's what he means. That's fascinating. That's a great quote. Rob Wood. I'm clipping <laughs> that. No, it's, it really is. It, you know, and there's a thing to be said. I, I don't like when people say white men don't have their problems. I don't like that because me and I was in class and we were arguing about this and I was saying the majority of men, because they were saying male, we we're talking about male versus women privilege. And now obviously males have been dominated women for centuries now. And I'm not saying that, but she was saying that white men are men at first don't experience oppression or, or don't experience any victimizations. And what I was saying was <laughs> the majority of men who, I mean, the majority of people who, um, have alcohol and drug dependency are, are men. The majority of people who in prison are men. The majority of people who are killed in homicides are men. The majority of people who commit are commit suicide are men. The majority of people who are, or the victims of violent crimes are men. Um, the majority of people who are divorced are men who do not file for divorce, but are divorced are men. The majority of people who lose divorce cases are men. The majority of people who don't have custody of their kids are men, regardless of if they're good people or not. And so just to say that life is easy as a man is, just ignorant and the ladies in the class were talking about how well, if we're going to talk about prison the majority of men in prison are black while that is the case they are still men and the majority of people who have alcohol dependency and drug dependency and suicide are white men and so to say that the life is easy for any race is not efficient enough the problem is when we get in these spheres where we diversify everything, everything so much, and that's not saying we shouldn't address the racist problems of America or the sexist problems of America. I'm just, it's just saying that, you know, there's no winners or losers in this. There's just bad people versus good people and what we need to fix, you know? Yeah. Like it's hard to even talk about it in a philosophy class, like talking about like relativism and it's like, not every, like, yeah, it is kind of like some things are like just good and bad. Like you can't like try to come to some middle ground on topics like racism. Like no, racism bad. There's no like if ands or buts about it. Like what you're saying is like when you say like these stats, it's not like some like pity party where like oh people should like think about men more. It's just like no, men, like men are people too. But like our life, like I said, like about white white people, men's lives aren't harder because we're men. It's like others, like social issues. I disagree, though. Um, I think that life, especially in, in the United States, um, yeah, I guess you could say it's a societal problem and cultural problem. But uh, the one standard that men are held to that is the hardest standard is success. Um, did you know that the number one cause for divorce is a person a man losing their job or becoming dependent on alcohol or drugs or having a mental health issues or mental health break those are the three causes of divorce in america and a lot of them fall along the lines of success you know what we deem successful and you know a lot of these the tough thing about these these questions is it, a lot of them can be boiled down to a biological connection um so racism can be boiled down to um in the past and our ancestors like a long times ago, people who look different than you 
brung, brung diseases and everything like that. So you would want to stay homogeneous. And then you can go to sexism. Um, testosterone is the, is the hormone that creates aggression and protection. And then you can get to, um, what's the last one I was just talking about? Uh, Suicide like, or alcohol dependence? Uh, oh, success. That can be deemed as women women want to mate with men who are successful because it means that they um, are the most dominant and, and dominance in a man is, is um, seen as very biological, like fitting for a father. And therefore they may, they want to be with them more. So, sorry. All these problems can be deemed down to biological. The problem with that is we're so far, we're so far advanced and so far into this, market this technological realm that we forget that we're apes you know we forget that we're these things dependent on hormones and dependent on dopamine and dependent on drugs and you know well yeah definitely like it used to be like that's how we like kind of used to think about things like men are providers but like now like women could provide for themselves like they don't okay they don't get paid as much but like they don't like they they could provide for themselves if like need be, mm-hmm. given like all the like equal treatment, equal given equal opportunity a woman could provide for mm-hmm. herself in today's time. So back to the biological, what I was saying about that. Um, the problem is though, like how how far do you want to take the biological arguments, and also how because like. I mean, we're talking about this in uh, Professor Dolphin's class, uh, transgenders in sports, you know? Yeah. And then an argument can be made about, uh, you you know her name, I'm sure, the track lady who has the most... uh, Testimonian? Yeah. And then, like, is she not allowed, you know? The problem is testosterone does make a difference. It makes a a big difference. But, like, okay, like, we had that argument for Cassius Semenya producing more testosterone than any other woman. I saw something last week about like Michael Phelps has something in his body that like where he doesn't produce as much lactic acid as uh, other athletes. So like, that's like also a biological unfair advantage. You know, you know, I just just thought about what when uh, the girl in our, the girl in our class said that, um, the chick from Oregon could beat LeBron. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> see, okay, see, no. Who is that? It was Sabrina, Sabrina Ionescu. She's a great player. She's yeah. like the WNBA. They put out a new line of jerseys. I'm a cop. I think I'm a copper jersey once I start working again. I wear the Las Vegas Aces jersey. Pause. Those I, are hard too. Like yeah. every every team in the league got new jerseys that are like pretty nice. But like, come on now, like. Let's compare like apples to apples, oranges. So like, okay, that was bad. That was, I should. No, that's not. That's not bad. That's not bad because it's true. Men and women are different. Like it's hard to, even though they're playing the same sport, it's hard to compare. Like it's the most comparable argument. Women don't. Women is, don't play football. Soccer is a women's versus men's soccer is a different sport. Now, like I'm basketball. Not you can't you can't change the fundamentals of basketball like you can soccer um and so it's the most comparable argument i kind of wish like they at least test the waters a little bit more rather than like 
So like we like have an answer on these things, but no, no, because you know how you know how bad it would look if LeBron played Sabrina UNESCO. Do you know how no? Because everybody, most people would be like, this is not gonna end well. LeBron might be the greatest athlete alive. Like, yeah, okay, he wouldn't be playing for anything, but like, see, like if we He'd be playing for He wouldn't be like I don't think he'd be, he wouldn't be playing for anything. Plus, like, he's a supporter of, like, women's basketball, so he wouldn't, like, do yeah. anything to try to, like, diminish, like, what she was doing. But, like, I don't know. If she, like, say, like, she, like, made a shot, like, that'd be something inspiring. Like, I don't know. There's is a big difference. If a girl sat down where I'm, where I'm at right now and did this, there's not a difference. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm a good, better speaker because I'm a better speaker. Maybe she's a better – uh, speaker because she's a better speaker but there's not a difference in the biology you know mm-hmm. if lebron plays any woman in basketball there's a biological difference and see that's another thing lebron might be the greatest basketball player to ever live like let's at least say like the greatest woman basketball to ever live women basketball player to ever live you know Lisa Leslie, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Just a couple of good ones. But like, my sister's better than me at volleyball. But yeah. like, if we play on a like, I can. When I played, I could clearly jump higher than her. You yeah. know, but she doesn't mean I'm better than her. It's. It's it our scale because like what, like Stephen Curry, he's not just beating everybody off of like, his like male traits i guess like he like could run like faster maybe but like he's not physically imposing himself on everybody he's playing against and he i'd say he's like playing the best right now in the nba yeah because lebron's out 80s out katie's <laughs> out however you want to pin it, pigeonhole it or no, however you want to i mean he's it. he's playing he's top right five right. and he's playing the best he's right. top five and three out of the top five are out Robert. Okay, I said uh, like, uh, all right. Yes. So, go, okay, but back to the conversation though. Like, he's not just dunking on people. He's not Giannis in people. Like, okay, but then it's like, we, you know, like the cliche, like, oh, you throw like a girl, hit like a girl, like, like top level like women's basketball players like no they're just good they're good basketball players they're not good for a girl like none of that matters and like i definitely do feel like we should get away from that but no yeah it, we also call our guy friends who are acting like wusses pussies and bitches yeah. which are derogatory words for women's private parts and women yeah so but also we call men assholes and dicks and cocks, so yeah. or cocksuckers, which is also but you know, I I talked about this with Hunter Brent and it's a it's a very sensitive topic, but I I, I don't really think male to female transgenders, they are females, they're women, they're trans women, should be playing sports with women. I Wait, I don't see it in a world where that's like males to females. Males that became yeah, it's hard. Like, not to make light of them, like you've seen Joanna Man, like that's just like unfair. I don't know what that is. It's like this movie where this uh, NBA player basically just like 
changes gender or doesn't change gender, like just starts dressing like a woman and becomes a WNBA player and like dominates the WNBA. It's like, it's, it's, like, a, it's a comedy, but oh. yeah, it's just like that. The thing is like, there's a lot of things that are like unfair about sports, which what makes them sports. Like everybody's different, brings their own thing to the table. So uh, like that is just such a hard topic how to about it, it. it we don't have answers that's kind of the problem because there's one side of the coin that's saying there's no difference which yeah. is absurd and there's another one saying that like women suck men are greater than everything and that's also absurd yeah. so it's like the, it's hard to thread the needle being like there are biological differences between men and women while also saying but there is not, not a skill gap because you would never limit what a woman could do in chess. Yeah. But also what would happen if Tiger Woods played against the greatest woman golfer or Serena, the um, Federer. See that, like, I want to see it happen. I mean, tennis, I guess is still strength. I remember it's, but it's more skill than strength. Yeah. And golf too. Starts out how far you can hit. This it. is pretty athletic. Like you see how you see how Serena's built. Like she's like. That's what I'm saying. Like powerful. So yeah, like I don't, I don't have an answer. Like I, I remember what uh, someone in that class was like. If we like introduce women, like if we just get rid of female sports and like made like everything co-ed based on like I guess physical abilities. Like women would be like weeded out. It wouldn't have like sports. I don't think that's necessarily the truth in all sports, but basketball, sports. you need basketball, you need twelve to fifteen guys or, or people on a team, and like twelve, we barely like. There's some guys in the that should be in the NBA that can't make it because they're like right on the cusp. You yeah, know? yeah, that's not that's like that's that's not my belief, but like that was like just a mm-hmm. thought someone had in the class. So like. Like I said, like, I don't, like, we don't have answers for this. The answer is. Because <laughs> you demand answers. To show uh, I don't have an answer, but the answer is going to be found in people who really sit down and talk about this. Cause the problem is we can't talk about it. There's not any, like it's, it's almost, it's, if you believe that trans women shouldn't be playing with women, you're kind of a bigot. No. If you believe that men and women have differences, you're a bigot. No, it's, we need to have two, we need to have intellectuals talk about what the real answer is because it seems as though segregated sports is the only option. Se- I guess that's the word for it. Segregated. That's the word for it. Is it? <laughs> or, Not segregation, segregated. Obviously, but, uh, I don't know. I think more, okay, what people are more mad about is like how women's sports are thought like seen that as an after afterthought. Like I people, are, people aren't saying true. that the WNBA players should play in the NBA, get their uh, get their due justice, but people are it's, saying like more people should be interested if you're truly into basketball. It's really only with basketball though. Women's soccer is in women American women's soccer is severely more popular than men's soccer in America. I'd say that. Yeah, there is no women's league like MLS, but if there was, there's a, there's a WMLS. 
Yes, there is. There is a t- like we have a team in Portland, the Portland Thorns. All right, hold on. I gotta look this up. <laughs> Cut that off. What? Yeah. Oh, just the the nothingness. National Women's Soccer League. It's dub. It's N. WSL. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna share. No, no, no. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. That's the thing. Like the like people like. I didn't even know that. Like okay, like I like I play football, but like I'm a big fan of basketball, and like I don't care who's playing. Like I like chance to watch basketball. Like I'm gonna watch it. Maybe not like if it's football. Like football is more of a rare yeah. game, so of course I'm gonna have an NFL game on. But like, they're like you know that like weird part in the summer where like the NBA finals already happened, but uh, NFL training camp hasn't started. Yeah, and we ain't like, watching no weak ass baseball either. Yeah, I, like I like going. I will say I like going to baseball games. I keep up yeah. with the A's, but like I'm not like. Oh, I'm about to watch. Sit down and watch a whole baseball game. I no facts, yeah. I rather watch a WNBA game, which not not to slight them, but like, yeah, like I'm a fan. Like I've been when we're allowed to go to games. Like I used to go to uh, NBA women's, women's uh, Pacific games. Part of it, I think, is like I have an older sister that played basketball, so growing up, like I would just oh, yeah, go sense, to yeah. her games. So like. I don't see like women's basketball or something to like. Oh, I, no, I'm not watching that. No, like it's just another. Uh, that's how I feel about volleyball. I think women's volleyball is way more entertaining than men's. And I played men's volleyball. I'd go watch beach women's all anytime. I love watching my sister play. No, not anything like that. I like watching my sister <laughs> and her friends play. Um, I mean, a little bit of that. We can do that before we end. Um, I think. I was going to ask you about the lingerie league. And I think that the sexualization of women, one mm-hmm. in every four searches on the internet is porn. We, we can't not say yes. that. No. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. internet was driven by people who wanted porn um, faster. Um, that's a fact. You can look it up. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's men's testosterone not only leads them to be more aggressive and more strong, but it also leads them to be more sexualization of women. And the problem with that is we get a lot of pillaging and rape through the culture, like through the centuries. And now it's the problem is becoming. That's the thing, but like, Colin, it's like, it's not the biological difference between men and women. Like you do a bad thing, you know, it's like a bad thing. You can't like say, Oh, I have like all this testosterone. Built I am, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm not ever. Obviously, obviously. I'm, I'm just not saying, saying like, you should. Yeah, there, there's that, but like, no, like, I like people drinking, like, people blame, like, raping somebody off of, like, having too many drinks. People drink all the time and for sure they don't rape people. No, I'm just saying what I was saying was the prevalence of the majority of people who rape people are men. And that is because of testosterone. It's because of the bad gene that's in a, testosterone. That's a factor. That's a factor. Okay. Here, here's what I mean. Okay. So you have, yeah, it's a factor. So you have two bad people. One's a woman, one's a man. And they both have that key um, bad factor of them. The man is more likely to, to actually commit the rape. Because that's on it. That's not, yeah. Okay. Um, 
and I'm not saying I'm not giving any credit. I'm not saying taking any way away from the evil of this. I'm just saying that's why we get it in the Vikings because they were, they were demeaning power. It's this power. It's this power hungriness, you know? Yeah. Causality is causation. That's just like, you have all the stats you want and like, it's not necessarily going to like be the sole reason why this happens. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to end it. Robert Wood, <laughs> thanks for coming on the podcast. No problem, buddy. I hope you had fun. Yeah, it was fun.